and welcome back to another Reading Radio podcast. I'm Alora. And I'm Jason. This month's book is The Giver by Lois Lowry. Yes. Yes. Um, Before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that we have a Facebook group. We'd like to like to have some conversation there about the books, let everybody know what books are coming up, uh, hear what, what we have to say, understand none of the kids are on there, but uh, our goal is to build a mutual love of literature and us and our kids and do it as a family, so we hope you join us in that as well. Something like that. Okay, so let's start off with scores of the book. You start off with scores? Yeah. Okay. You go first? I'm going to go a solid four. I was intrigued by the book. It 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 started off kind of slow, got really interesting. Uh, I'm a little angry at the end, which is good because it's at least an emotional reaction. And we'll see how it goes. I'm actually going to see about reading the sequels now, which I usually don't do when we do these books. I tend to not read the rest of them. I think I'm going to give this a solid four too. I really enjoyed it. I liked the story line, and I liked how it was different than most. Um, juvenile fiction, young adult fiction books. Interesting. Okay. What do you think about the age range on this? The age range? I'd say this is a pretty simple book to read. So I'd say about eight, eight to like whatever, but eight to 12. Okay. Eight to 13. I mean, as an adult, I enjoyed it on probably a slightly different level. So yeah, I can go all the way up to 99 plus. It's a great book. Do you want to do the spoiler free summary? Okay, so this boy fo- This story follows the mindset of the boy jo- of the boy named Jonas um, as his adventures of growing up in this town. And everyone is assigned a job at 12, kind of like in the Girl Who Went to City, which is one of our other episodes. Um and everyone thinks that he was skipped, but he is assigned a special job. Okay. And Anything that, you have to add to that? And this, well, the special job opens up by when he gets the job, you start to find out a little bit more about the communities in that was left unsaid earlier on. So I like the way they revealed yes. that. And then things happen afterwards that we'll have to talk about in the spoiler zone. Mm-hmm. Anything else we need to discuss up front? Well, before we started, you were going to ask me how I discovered this book. Yes, that's, yeah. How did you find out about this? Because I'd never heard of this book. So I'm homeschooled, so I don't have the normal... Wait, you're homeschooled? <laughs> Just kidding. The normal reading lists on the web um, that most people have to do. And I was at a Girl Scout survival overnight, and everyone was talking about books they like to read. And, like, everyone brought this up because it's, like, a mandatory sixth grade reading book. And everyone was talking about how good it was, and I hadn't read it. So I got the book, and I read it. And I didn't end up reading all all the sequels. I haven't read any of them. And then we needed a book for the podcast, and it's a shorter book, so we decided this one would be perfect. Great. So it's interesting that kids actually were forced to read a book that they enjoyed. I think of all the books I was forced to read, The Girl Who Owned a City might have been the only one I really enjoyed. That's not true. Um, Someday we're going to read Flowers for Algernon. Um, it's a really interesting book. Uh, I might have to think through a few others. I might try to think through all the ones there. Of course, The Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe I read for school, too. That's a good book. Yeah, also, so maybe there's a f- other episodes. There is. Uh, maybe there's a few more books that I was forced to read that I enjoyed. I'll have to think about that. All right, so we are now entering the spoiler zone. Mm-hmm. 
you, you, you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's totally staying there. Okay. So, <coughs> this is the spoiler zone. If you had not read this book, I'd recommend you stop listening to this and then come back and listen to it later. Or if you have read the book or you just don't care, keep listening. Because we are now going to discuss everything and spoil the crap out of this book, and you have been warned. Wow. I came home one night mad at you about this book. You did. You were like, what? I, what, what, what is this weird thing you have me reading? Because the book obviously starts out where, it, it, you know there's something weird about the community. Something's happened. There's It's a post-apocalyptic kind of thing. They never get into the story of how the Earth was destroyed, at least in the first book. Maybe in the rest of them they do. Or how they got to be the way they are. Um, it just started, I forget which exact part weirded me out the most. Yeah, you were like, what weird thing is this that you're making me read? Well, yeah, because they have to, I mean, they have to apologize for everything. And there's like an apology ritual that they go through. Um, it's super strict on the rules. And then if you, if you don't obey the rules, you get kicked out. What do they call it? It was released. You get released. Which we find out later is not like, a hey, hey, let's just go to the edge of town and say goodbye. Then they kill you yeah. for three violations of whatever rules they are, even even if they're tiny rules. Um, this kind of reminded me a lot about another book series I read. It's City of Refuge by Margaret Peterson Haddix. The city reminded me of it. This podcast brought to you by Mar- Margaret Peterson Haddix. She, we almost talk about her as much as we talk about C.S. Lewis. <laughs> Come on. Okay. So, the families. You mentioned to me that the families are really off. I did? What was I talking about? How they don't give birth to their own kids. Oh, yeah. So, they've got people that are, like, their job is birth mother. They never talk about how they have a birth father, how that happens (laughs) around. Yeah. But all of a sudden, they just, they give three births, and then they're, they're laborers for the rest of their lives. But you don't have your own kids. You have somebody else have kids for you, and then you have to petition the government for a child. And if you're granted that permission, then... You get randomly assigned a kid. Well, in December, when everybody has their birthday, you'd be granted a child who already has a name. And it's kind of the, the community owns that child. And you find out later they have no no concept of grandparents because once you, your kids move out, you have to move into this area of town that's like for the adults with no children. So they keep the family unit separated from the single adult or from the adults with no kids unit. And they put the old people away in this home where they're taken care of until they're their release, which we find out later is really just execution. <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think the author is trying to communicate? Most people write stories as a correlation or they're trying to, I mean, with a, a book like this, that's this weird, what, what ideas could she be trying to communicate? I have no idea. Maybe there was things going on that was she felt was off in the world. This is the 90s. This isn't like way far back or anything. I don't... I have no idea. So there's a... There, this seems to be a common theme in some movies. I told you there's a movie I love called Equilibrium where it's a, it's a similar concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing, of course, they're they're taking the drugs to like numb themselves to their emotions yeah. so they, they have certain emotions we find out from the giver receiver relationship but they're not real emotions they're they're superficial kind of emotions and so they take they take the, they take the drug so that they won't have those emotions and so what you see in all of these stories is that you don't have the emotions so 
it's they don't they do that so the bad things don't come. There's no rage. There's no jealousy. There's no anger. There's no war. There's no love. There's no love. There's no pat. Well, that's the thing. You can't have one without the other. It's the same human nature that drives both of those things. It is passion and and love that leads to hatred and war at the same time. They're, they're like two sides of the same coin. So you could numb everybody so there's no none of those extremes, but you're going to lose all the great things about humanity as well. It also mentions how they want everyone to look the same. Right. So everybody looks the same, dresses the same, acts the same. Their so hair's th- cut the same. Right. So there, there's no, um, no distinguishing features, nothing that makes people stand out, nothing that would make people feel... They didn't, they, you're never allowed to make someone feel awkward. You can't ask questions that might embarrass somebody. You can't make somebody feel like <clears throat> you can't make somebody feel like they'd stand out by asking questions about them or bragging. So you're supposed to like remain this nice little cog in a wheel. Like what kind of life is that? And then I brought this up with one of my other friends who really likes this book. It, they want everyone to look the same, but then they end up killing one of the twins. If they're identical. Yeah, identical twins, which which makes no sense. You'd think that would be the ideal, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't get that. Unless she was just trying to show an example. Like, she needed to have a reason to kill a child so that you could have that in the story. Because what other reason would there be? Except for Gabriel, but then she wanted him to survive with Jonas at the end And then there was Rosemary, too. Right, because she couldn't handle being the receiver. And did you catch that Rosemary was, was the name of his daughter? Yes. Like, that... They're the same person. Right, that's what I mean. Because they never use that; they don't seem to use the names twice. So his daughter was actually the receiver, and then she asked for her release, and so he had to inflict this pain on her by giving her these memories. Like there's a there's such a correlation there of helping your your children to grow, and growth is painful, and you want to protect them. But if you protect your children completely, then they're not going to be able to handle <clears throat> what comes. Right, they won't grow. They won't be mature adults. You end up with this narcissistic generation that we're starting to have now where they, they don't know how to deal with things that might hurt or offend or conflict with their beliefs. They don't know how to address issues that are uncomfortable. And so, like, you just miss out on that. Like, if you don't allow kids to play and play un without being controlled, they never learn how to deal with those social interactions we're discovering. Yeah. Like, helicopter parents have led to these kids that just don't know how to deal with reality because they've always had reality dealt for them, dealt with for them by the adults. I don't know that we were dealing with that in the 90s, though, so I don't, I'm not sure if that's what she was going for, if she was just investigating the idea of what it would be like to have this kind of world. That makes sense. And then also, I think some of the punishments that they inflicted were a little bit harsh. Like, like the pain rod? Yeah, because they use it on three-year-olds and one-year-old. the elderly. And on one-year-olds, as soon as they could walk, they can start using the pain. Because remember it said uh, oh, father, yeah. father brought it home when Gabriel turned one and was starting to walk. So he would be punished. But you got to start doing that to conform kids into this ideal that you want. And then with Asher, um, it seemed like he almost had a speech impediment the way they wrote him. Because he would misuse vowels, not vowels, but sounds, replace one with the other. Right, he would get words mixed up, things yeah. like that. And then he was punished for it. Yeah, well, their idea was if they punished him, he'd stop doing it. But it didn't help at all. Well, it helped a little bit. He never got released. Yeah. <laughs> so at least it helped him survive that. But that seemed a little bit... It seems wrong to do that. 
Like, I think you need to talk through it. And it almost might have been a brain issue. Like, psychological, that I couldn't do it right. So it feels like you're punishing them for something that they can't control. Sure, but I mean, you realize that's not uncommon. Throughout history, there until recently, corporal punishment has been the means of conforming children to the ideals of society. There's always been, like, schools have used the rod, they've whipped kids until they obeyed. And you did it out of fear. You didn't help them learn wise, and you didn't help them think for themselves, but you got them to submit to your rules so they'd do what you want. Yeah. So, the memories and the stuff that was taken away. You mentioned this in the spoiler-free zone. Um, It brings things out that you don't realize were wrong, because it never explicitly says the world is not without color. But as Jonas starts receiving the memories, he starts seeing the color. Right, and a lot of authors use this through the eyes of the, of the character to discover the world kind of method, but I thought the fact that she never explicitly stated a lot of those things until you saw the other side was wonderful because it really helps you see the world like he did. You didn't know there was anything wrong, and he didn't know there was anything wrong until he starts to see the right. Until he starts to see color, he didn't know how bland the world was before. It was just this world. Like, fish don't know they're in water. They're just in water. We don't think about the air. We're just, it's here. Yeah. And I think this it was the same kind of thing. And, like, even the war games they would play. But then he realized the the severity of what war was. And it started, this, those emotions really started to hit him. And he didn't realize all the things that they were doing had bigger impacts. He just missed that completely. Yeah. But I liked the way that was written because it didn't let you know anything was wrong. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. That was brilliant. Um... It's not like you walked into it and she said, it's a black and white world today. Like, you just didn't know. Which, one of my friends said that's what they didn't like about the movie, because the first half was in black and white before I started seeing color. Well, and if, I guess, I grew up in an era where black and white TV was still a thing. Like, there's TV (laughs) shows that were always on that were black and white, where kids probably aren't seeing that. So it would be really unnerving, because they're just not used to it. I watched the Andy Griffith show, Beverly Hillbillies, even the first season of Gilligan's Island. They were all black and white, so I'm used to it. What about some of the memories? He started off with the nicer ones and then started going into harder ones. Why do you think they'd want one person to bear all that? I think as a society, we're often willing to push to sacrifice some of our people in some way. Um... We want a just society where people obey the rules. And so we're willing to sacrifice a small percentage of people to, to, to an unjust prison system to make sure that the rest of us feel safe. Mm-hmm. We're willing that some people may suffer a little bit so that the rest of us don't have to suffer a lot. Um, so it's something we do on to small degrees now, and this is just taking it to that next extreme. They picked one person. Uh, it's kind of a... a old thought experiment of if you could have one if you could torture one person and it would bring peace to the world would it be moral to do it right it's kind of that like the train track yeah like the trolley problem so this is just an experiment in that direction we're going to push this all into one person and we don't have to think about the bad stuff and, and all the passion like you get to have all the emotions the rest of us don't have to worry about that we'll be fine in our oblivion and you'll be miserable. But that's okay, because it's just you. Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to talk about it for anything or take any medicine for it. 
Right. And what I really liked is Jonas came home one day and asked his parents if they loved him. Because it was the memory after he got the Christmas with the grandparents and everyone there together. And I think the parents' response to that was perfectly reasonable for the story, but was odd for, like, if that question was asked now. Well, right. They they had this huge thing about precision of language, and so they critiqued his precision of language because love is a vague term that could mean a lot of things. Whereas it's hard to articulate what love is, mm-hmm. but we know what it is. Yes. You ask me if I – if you ask me, do you love me, I'm not going to – well, do you mean agape or eros or story like the four Greek loves? Is that what you mean? Like, what do you? No, I know what you're asking, and I yeah. love you. Yes, absolutely, not even a question. But in a world where love's not even an issue, they're a family because it's their responsibility to be a family. It's our job to raise children, not because we care about you, but we're going to be proud for our parental accomplishments. Do you think that would make the world easier not having to do with situations like that explicitly love? I mean, in some ways, it would be easier. If I was completely oblivious to what reality was, then sure, it would be easier. But I wouldn't want to lose those things. I wouldn't want to lose the idea of what love is. Mm -hmm. But if I never knew in the first place, yeah, it'd be easier. I mean, nobody went hungry. Nobody suffered. Nobody had pain. There were no bad things. And if you never knew about the good things to begin with, you're fine. I don't know that people are going to be terribly happy to get the memories back. Yes. I'm not sure if it comes back to that, though. I, I know, but I don't want to read the whole quartet to find out. Like, she, like th- I started the second book, and it moves on to a whole different set of characters, and I, I'm like, oh, what happens? So, um, I was reading about this book online, and I never thought of this. I'm not sure if you did, but Jonas was sharing the memories with Gabriel to calm him down or make him cold, and some people think that the last scene is him remembering the Christmas as going into a coma-like sleep as they freeze to death. What? (laughs) Mind-blown emoji. It makes so much sense, though, doesn't it? But that's... No! That can't... Why did you save... Is this the thing you were saving to talk about? Oh, my gosh! I didn't know. I totally didn't get that. I expected to pick up the second book and him be and him be sliding into town. They're like, oh, who are you, new guy? And we'd have this whole adventure about explaining what happened, and maybe they'd find out what happened in the old community. But that ending would make it very sad. I will take I will take I will take my rating back down to a three if that's the case. I just ruined it. You you did a little bit, yeah. And she and she said in an interview that it could be either one. She didn't say explicitly, so I guess we're going to have to read the quartet. Well, if she says it could be either one, then it is possible Jonas and Gabriel died and they won't appear in the rest of the quartet. Yeah. Or they fro- they're, in a co- they're just in comas and someone finds them and brings them back. I'm not terribly happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to have a lot of uh, de-amplifying to do because we uh, peaked out the, <laughs> the top of the charts there. You can take that piece out because it's just technical. Okay. All right. I'd like to know if anybody else thought about that or if this is just some uh, sadistic trolls on the internet that put that kind of stuff out there because I did that never even began to cross my mind. Yeah, it makes so much sense. It's just the new city. 
All right, so go, go to our Facebook group and tell us if that's the case, if you thought of that and you're a sadistic troll too, or <laughs> if, if this is just uh, something somebody made up online, like those weird theories about the Rugrats. What theories? Uh, that Angelica's the only one of them that's real. How is that possible? Because each one of them represents a different part of a, her personality, and kids who are only children have a tendency to have more vivid imaginations so they're all her imaginary friends like and phil and lil are a child who is stillborn that they never found out if it was a boy or a girl so that's why they're both they're twins that are both a boy and a girl and all of them like all the rest of them have some sort of combination like it was somebody had a really long i don't know long why no because this is why i don't let you surf the internet without help because there's some weird stuff out there that would make you sad Actually, actually, I think that was a video on YouTube. But anyway, we're totally off the topic here. So Lois Lowry also wrote Number the Stars. Which was amazing. Which is an amazing book. Another book I had to read in school that I did not think I would enjoy, but really did. Yes, that book is really good. We should totally do that for the podcast. No, we could do that. We did as a fa- <clears throat> we read it as a family. We could probably talk about it as a family, too. Mm-hmm. I really like that one. Anything else to say now that you've ruined this book for me? I'm sorry. No, you're not. You enjoyed getting that reaction out of me, I think. I did a little bit. Uh, anything else in the book that was interesting? It reminded me a little bit of Wrinkle in Time when, like, all the kid, the scene where, like, all the kids are bouncing the ball exactly the same. It, it wasn't quite that extreme, but they want, like, all the kids got their bikes the same. All the kids had their hair the same way. All the kids looked the same. All the kids lost their stuffed animals at the same time. Right. And, you, yeah, you got your stuffed animal. You had your routine. Every kid's raised similarly. Or, you know, we don't get a deep dive into yeah. how they're raised, but it seems like they're all raised the same way. Yeah, I think that, that would be difficult. It would be hard. Like, I was riding a bike when I was five. Yeah. Like, to not be able to ride a bike and, and have that freedom. the main way of travel. Right. So you had to walk everywhere until you turned nine? Was it? Yeah, or a ride in the back of your parents. This is weird. <laughs> Who would want to haul a kid around until they're nine? <laughs> All right. You did it for a while with me and Zoe, though. Yeah, it's because you're too slow to keep up. <laughs> now that you have bikes that can keep up, you're fine. All right. All right, before we go, what else do you have going on? Um, you're, you're, uh, how far through your story you're writing now? Still chapter six. I took me a while to figure out how I want to play this next character. Okay. Because I've added another character in. Okay. So I just figured that out, so I'm getting getting further. All right. All right. We're looking forward to hearing it, or reading it still. Yes. We'll have to make that one of our books. We'll review your short story. <laughs> and our next book is Connect the Stars, and I'll let you figure out how to pronounce the author's names. Marisa De Los Santos and David Teague, authors of Saving Lucas, Lucas Biggs. That's what it says on the... Book. So this is a book you're reading for the local library book, teen book club. Yes. And I figured, hey, I'll read it too, and then we can review it together. Mm-hmm. So far, I think it's really interesting. So that'll be our book for April that we'll release. And then in April, Zoe's going to get to pick a book, and she's going to join us back again on the podcast because that's her birthday month. Yep. That's what I heard tonight. So that sound good? Yep. All right. Thank you for listening, and please share and subscribe. Yes, tell all your friends about us. And how um, awesome we are. Write a review for us on iTunes, Stitcher, Pod, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, anywhere you have good podcasts. It just helps other people find us. Uh, we want to grow this thing a little bit. Allura has a goal of making, you said, 1,000 downloads by the end of the year? Yes. 
Yep. So we're getting pretty close to that now. You might have to readjust your goal when we hit it. 1,500. That would be a stretch. So I think that's probably a good target. Um, We'll just have to get more people listening, more people involved, and more people discussing great books, which everyone should do anyway, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, until next month, enjoy good books and have a good day.